Two years ago, the Japanese National Parliament passed a law on states' secrets. It went into effect last year without much fanfare recently, but it generated a lot of animosity originally. It hasn't really been put into practice, but the fear is that the Japanese government can identify secrets that were released by press or business people that suddenly have fallen into the secret category and people can be punished for it. More importantly, though, it adds a chilling effect to journalists and people who are reporting on Japan. I'd like to go to Dr. Nancy Snow for a feedback on what you think of the press freedom here in Japan. Is it being restricted? Is it, I mean, people normally think of Japan as, as an open society where journalists can pretty much report on what they want. Listen, there's high newspaper readership. There, there are people watching the news. But we often hear about the press clubs, and the press clubs are sort of protected enclaves where you have a lot of selected press who go before the government, and it's pretty, it's a symbiotic relationship. They, they know what they're going to be asked, and they don't get off message. So, right. for instance, when Abe sort of got off message a little bit, he was in the press conference after his UN speech when he made the remark of asking him about, it was a follow-up question, about the refugees. And he said, well, we have problems here at home, so we're not likely to take in a lot of refugees. It didn't become a scandal or anything, but it was certainly different for him to be a little bit off kilter because it's such a pageantry here. Mm -hmm. And the Foreign Correspondence Club of Japan has not had a member of the LDP, the dominant party here, speak at the club, I think in well over a, a year. Right. I don't know when the last time was. The reason that they shut down this avenue was because the last time they had an LDP minister, she was there before the foreign press. She wanted to stick to her prepared remarks, and they were asking her about some of her ties to the far right. And it got her very upset, visibly upset and flustered, and that was it. So there's now this sort of boycott to the international mm -hmm. press. A, a form of punishment, actually. Yes, a right? bit of a form of punishment. Regarding the state secrets, the more I learn about it, it's troubling because we're in the age of transparency. So it's not as if a journalist or a whistleblower has been charged and prosecuted. That hasn't happened. But it's this slippery slope of you have the government bureaucrats in charge of this. There's right. no third party oversight. oversight so right. if you get charged with the kind of conviction rate that they have in Japan, uh, you, you're probably going to be in, a, in the dark for years to come. And, you know, you will be convicted. Mm -hmm. So that troubles me. And this is also a country that historically, if you look at the post-war period, and you compare the documentation of what happened during the war years in Japan versus, say, Nazi Germany. I don't know what the complete ratio is, but the documentation in Germany, it just completely is a mountain compared to what happened in Japan. Because in Japan, they had two weeks to destroy so many documents. So that tells me whether it's wartime Japan or today's Japan, that information is often guarded. Right. It, it, it's not just about having some problem with leaking uh, what should be secured information. That's legitimate. This is about 
the fact that information doesn't even get to the public. We're not right. swimming around in a lot of information. And as far as investigative journalism, I think for anyone who wants to be sort of a more of a prying, uh, critical type journalist, it's going to be a very, very tough place to be because you will be an outsider. Absolutely. Very, very quickly. You, this is very out. much in-group, out-group. Mm -hmm. And the only way you can rise above that is if you're independently wealthy and you can kind of hover above or if you're if you're truly a freelance and maybe with that money you can kind of just control your own destiny but i doubt mm -hmm. you're going to be here over a lifetime and the, japan needs these stories to be told but again the state secrets who's talking about it mm -hmm. i don't hear anybody in the japanese public talking about it Recently and you and that i think is is fine with the government, uh, out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> well, I think what they did was they, they've created, they've self-imposed upon themselves a hiatus where they don't really agitate so that maybe when something comes up in the future, they'll say, well, look, it's been in the, on the books for the last three years, and that's why we have to you know, implement it and we have to hit hard. But I think the, the other impetus for this is not internal to Japanese politics or the prime minister's office, I think there's a lot of force coming from the United States that says we are in a military alliance with you. And every time we tell you about uh, the new destroyer that's coming out, we find out that it's been leaked or something and you guys have a sieve there in the, the self-defense forces. We want that sort of thing tightened up. What do you think about that theory, Michael? Well, that's, that's a very decent way of looking at how the, the Secrets Act was put together. Because it came so quickly mm -hmm. and it's so, so powerfully. And it, and it was sold on all kinds of different levels that it was necessary in order for Japan to form right. its National Security Council. Mm -hmm. That there are all these different basic ideas that were being thrown out as justifications. And one of the major justifications is that the United States wants it. Mm -hmm. uh, unfortunately, uh, Morton Halperin, who was deeply involved uh, in creating many of the standards, the Schwane principles, regarding the secrecy of documents held by governments. He's, he also was privy to uh, discussions between Japan and the United States as a U.S. official. And he said, this was never an issue. Hmm. This was never on the agenda. This is something that the United States isn't pushing. Now, there have been incidents in the past when the United States has been deeply disappointed right. in Japanese secret keeping. There was a particularly a case involving uh, the uh, radar of Aegis destroyers, which is an extremely important defense secret. And the maritime self-defense forces did not protect the data involving this. And there was an, an a possibility that, in fact, it was passed on to uh, Chinese sources. That really ticked off a lot of people in the United States Pentagon. But for the most part, this bill, and now it's an act, and it's been in, on the books for a year, it's, it's overkill. Uh -huh. It's overkill in that you have now, if a bureaucrat reveals a, something that is a designated state secret, they can be imprisoned for up to 10 years. Whether, you know, whether it was revealing that the, the government was doing something illegal, immoral, wrong, doesn't matter. If it's a designated state secret, right. it's, it's in a mandatory sentence. It also extended that punishment for the first time to the press. So that a press, a journalist who reports having received by nefarious means this designated secret 
could also be put away for 10 years. It's overkill. It's mm -hmm. way, it's going to completely crush any form of leaking of vital information that the citizens need to know. Mm -hmm. That sometimes your, your government is doing bad things, it's doing right, wrong right. things that will never come up. And what has happened over this year, what the process was, was clearing all the bureaucrats, 74,000 of them, going through their histories, going through their pasts, and mm. everything of personal relationships, getting them so that they would be able to now be eligible to have the security clearance to mm. look at these secrets mm. once they're designated. That has had an incredible chilling effect on the mm -hmm. bureaucrats mm -hmm. who now know that the politicians know everything about their private lives mm -hmm. for the first time. Can you imagine those people stepping out of line right. in order to reveal something that citizens know? Mm -hmm. It will never happen. And that's what the effect of this law has been. Well, the, the main theme here is press freedom in Japan. Has press freedom actually expanded? Has it kind of held its own? Or is it actually in decline? And I think there have been reports, is it uh, Reporters Without Borders, mm -hmm. who have reported that especially since the Daiichi nuclear reactor blew up and all of the cover-ups there and TEPCO hiding the fact and the, all of the population of, of Tokyo not knowing anything about you know, the, the nuclear cloud actually drifting towards Tokyo while all of the foreign embassies were you know, arranging for uh, huge airplanes to, to Take, fly Take their out. citizens out or telling their citizens to leave. Yeah, uh, This was huge. And so I think the, the report on the, um, the calibration of press freedom in Japan prior to the, the triple disasters of 311 was in the, in the top 10. It was, it was pretty much uh, Japan was a, a good country for press freedom, and there was a lot of information that was available, and now it's ranked at 64 worldwide. That's huge. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, what you're, you're pointing out here again is it, it makes you wonder, there's the element of self-censorship. Mm -hmm. So um, I write a lot about these things. I mean, I'm small potatoes, but it might make me pause and think about doing a book about cat cafes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As opposed to writing about anything to do with government press relations or government public relations. And I can't be alone. Picture an editor at a newspaper who has to answer to the, the owners who are under pressure, too. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it just has this rever reverberating effect. And so we're going to see this kind of dumbing down of the news and maybe an increase in just entertainment, sort of feel-good stories, as opposed to critical issues. I, I, I wouldn't expect much if Japan didn't pay lip service mm -hmm. to being a democratic, open society. You know, what does this all mean? You know, state secrets and who's watching whom and who's, who's kind of keeping tabs on things. When you talked about, you know, the difference between the Japanese government holding their secrets and the, the uh, Nazi government holding their secrets and, and the amount of data that they collected. It reminds me of the YouTube uh, spoof on Hillary Clinton and her, her emails. And it was in a, it was from one of the, um, I think it was the movie about um, Adolf Hitler, The Last Days of Adolf mm -hmm. Hitler. Mm -hmm. And it was just very, very funny. I don't know if you, <laughs> you saw it. But um, the, the amount of information that they hoarded and they numbered and they kept really good tabs on everything else. And you contrast that and the Hillary Clinton email 
uh, kerfuffle and what's going on here in Japan. And just yesterday, uh, Vladimir Putin was having a press conference himself with a huge room. I mean, who would have ever thought of this, that he's taking questions from the floor. Did you see this, Michael? Mm. I saw about something about it, yeah. It's just huge. And he praised, of course, Donald Trump, who yes. was very pleased to hear that Well, he, he saw an opportunity him. to dig, yeah, but that's right. it, it does flip things on, the, on its head. Japan was an open society, great press freedom, that's and right. now it's not, and everybody thinks of of the, uh, the, the the Russian Federation as a big boogie bear and, and Vladimir Putin as a, the dictator that's hoarding everything, when in fact you see something like that and it just makes you wonder. Well, you make a good point too, and that is the role of political satire, to get at some of the truths, some mm-hmm. of the discomforting things that go on through uh, giggles. And I remember when George W. Bush was in office and Saturday Night Live did a piece where they had the news conference and there were people getting up saying... Uh, uh, Mr. President, I'm with Cat Fancy magazine, and so then there'd be some puffball mm-hmm. question, and it was all sort of either <laughs> animal magazines or anything that would just put him in a good light. So you could still stage a press conference and then just put in your plants, so right. to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would love to see a really lively news conference here. Mm-hmm. No such thing. And even right. even the details about the state secrets, uh, or, for instance, September 19th, the passing of the security legislation. Where are the details Where are the documents there? there? Those documents Nothing was released. You know how when we have the Supreme Court decision and you have all the dialogue and the dissenting point of view, that just passed, and there was a fight that broke out beforehand. That's the only reporting we have. Mm -hmm. So no wonder... You've got a smattering of people taking to the streets and in protest, uh, mm-hmm. but it's it's not a growing mass of well, people. Okay, to to, to be fair, uh, the, my hometown newspaper, the Tokyo Shinbun, has put out uh, essays by persons criticizing the Secrets Act for over a year on its front page, right? Um, several times a week, so it's it's one of their. Themes, and that's one of the reasons why the Tokyo Shinbun received from the FCCJ, right. the Foreign Correspondents Club, its its Press Freedom Award, exactly because it brings these matters mm-hmm. up. So it's not as though there's no discussion. But what might kill the Secrets Act actually is not funny business, but the exact opposite: the least funny business of all, accounting. Right. That has come up, and that was one of the th- items that has come up in the past week, where Mr. Abe received. From the auditing agency, mm. a request that, you know, under this new law, we cannot fulfill our constitutional duty. There's an, uh, there is in the Constitution the establishment of a Bureau of Audit, mm. right? And it has the right to see everything mm-hmm. and talk about everything according to the Constitution. And Lo and behold, this really boring function, uh, way down at the end of the Constitution, maybe the maybe the uh, the sword of Damocles hanging over the secret. Because act. they cannot account for the specifics yeah, of the legislation. There's, there's parts yeah. of the budget that they cannot talk about that they don't supposedly don't exist, and they say, "Look, it's either us or the it's either this law or the Constitution. Mm-hmm. It hasn't gone to the courts yet." But it's going to go there. Right. Didn't we see this in the Clinton administration, the Office of Management and Budget? Right. Where they came up with all sorts of things, uh, 
Stockman maybe was the David Stockman. David Stockman, right? Really became famous during as, the Reagan years. Uh, that was during yeah. Reagan. Yeah. Um, so I think they're probably onto something here. They might have to uh, jigger a, a special clause in, into the uh, the amendment. The law has to going to probably going to have to be changed, and then that will reignite the debate about why the law is there and whether the punishments within it. You know, this, this is funny with this prime minister because, yes, I know he likes to run a tight ship. Um, we've, we often comment on how tight his organization is and how, how uh, announcements and pronouncements coming from the prime minister's office are pretty clear and, and, you know, everybody toes the line. But he's more focused on generating uh, an economy and, and giving people um, – hope and vision for the future. And this kind of state secrets really kind of pushes it down. It's like diversity. It's like, you know, having women in the workforce and, and you know, in opening, up, as well opening up the process. Opening up the process. And it, then it rejuvenates things and it helps people become more open and, and enthusiastic and energetic. And this is just kind of the, the opposite. It's like pouring cold water on it. Well, the, the, this was supposed to be at least for persons who are interested in a statist point of view, that the, the, the country has to be stronger. Right. This was going to be an airtight one because you couldn't bring a court ba a battle to it. You could not have a disgruntled employee taking action. Right. We because, can do it quietly. We, yeah, you can't because you can't reveal the state secret. Right. And it was, it was like there was, it was a catch-22. If, if, if you want to challenge the law, you have to take it to the courts, and mm -hmm. the courts have to have a dispute, it, but if it's a state secret, they can't know what the dispute is, so the courts won't rule on it. Right. Perfect! This one's done. That may not happen, though. We're, okay. we're, we're looking for some hope, but it is a chilling, chilling thing. Sure, because in the United States, we have protections for whistleblowers, both in the corporate and in the public sector, and I, I went through a security clearance, so I know what that process is all about, mm -hmm. and it is unnerving. But I had a faith and trust in the U.S. government. I, I felt protected that uh, I wouldn't uh, that I would honor that secret clearance. But at the same time, that I wouldn't feel like I was walking around on eggshells. Mm -hmm. And what Michael is describing is very unnerving with this process of sort of vetting all of these bureaucrats right. and how they are going to feel like I'm not saying anything. Mm -hmm about any violation. It could be... Some kind of leakage of some kind of amount of money. Right. It yeah, could be some, money. Mm -hmm. it, it, it really... And, and again, you say that Abe puts all this emphasis on the economy. Mm -hmm. you, you have to, ultimately, you have to have a compact between the public and the government. And the press is there not to be the lapdog right. that you pet, but to be a watchdog on the power. Mm -hmm. That's the way it works in mm -hmm. pretty much any democracy that I know about. Okay. Well, for uh, a lot of issues that we handle here, this one too, it's not a hot burning issue, but the implications of it and the discussion of what's going on right now is vitally important for understanding a lot of other things that are related or unrelated. Press freedom in Japan is essentially important for the country and for the economy. We're going to continue to watch this and keep you updated. Thank you for tuning in.